Uh, well, I'm going to give you a really long passage today. I think you can stand for it. It's James chapter 1. Are you ready for this? Verse 12. Just, I know it's a lot. Just, just hang in there. Work those legs. Come on. We're going to burn a calorie. Stand an extra for Jesus. Amen. Blessed is the one who perseveres. Everybody say perseveres. Under trial. Because having, good, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Excuse me while I fix this. Okay. Y'all may take your seats. Look to your neighbor as you give him my title and say, you were built to finish. You were built to finish. It's easy to start. It's hard to finish. Before we get rolling into this, though, I want to give you a couple things. Everybody say tomorrow. Tomorrow we have our final construction inspection. With the bank. You can get everybody lined up to do the work, but if you ain't got no cash money to build the thing, you're stuck. So we got a bank, and tomorrow is the final day to get what's called a build-out appraisal. They evaluate what we say we want to do, and they say if it's worth the money we're asking them to give us, and if they say yes, we should be closing on that loan in about two weeks, and then we will see construction start. I mean, I, I like the, the studs and everything, but... The kids getting impaled by raw nails is not really the vision I had for the church. So this is a huge step forward. And if they don't give us enough, I'm going to tell them, you got to give us more. Because this is for Jesus, and this is how it's got to be built. We don't want half done. This is what it takes to finish it. And so I'm going to be meeting that appraiser tomorrow, and I love him to death. But I'm going to, in Jesus' name, tell him how it is. Like, look, man, this is for God. Don't mess with us. <laughs> in love. Don't, don't, you're all new here. You're like, this guy's crazy. No, it's all in love. Seriously, it's going to be good. We're going to finish this tomorrow, and we're going to get into the next leg of our build, build out. So how many know that One Seed Church also has original music by the name of One Seed Worship? And we did um, a worship concert here. When did we do that? March? We did it in March, and we had like 80 people, and it was really cool because there were 80 different people than the, the people we see on Sunday. So that told us there's people out there. There really is people out there. Remember the egg hunt? The egg hunt, we did this egg hunt, like 2,000 people showed up. We're like, whoa, people exist in this town. They're really there. It showed us that there's really life there. And so, so from that point on, and then we did this concert, and it showed us there's, a, there's this whole other group of people that don't recognize the value of Sunday. They don't know they need Sunday to make every day worthwhile in their walk. And so you see somebody that came to the worship concert, you just tell them, hey, come to Sunday too. That's a better experience. But I'm sharing all that because One Seed Worship has three new songs coming out over the next three months, and they're all in production right now. And it's an unusual thing for a church this size, but it's a real thing, and, and we have a, a real vision for the music, and it's, it's, um, it's going to be cool. So we're going to be releasing three more singles over the next 
three to six months, but they're all in production right now, so I can really say they're going to happen this time. I said that a few times, but this time they're really being worked on as we speak. So that's really exciting. But we were at the beach for an extended period these last couple weeks, and it was a longer trip than I'm used to taking. And I don't know if anybody else has this happen, but it takes several days for me to get into that mode. And then by the time I get into that mode, it's time to go home. Has anybody ever had that happen? It's like you can be there, but you're not all there. You know, I don't mean like you're crazy. I mean like you're not there. You're still thinking about this and bank loans and, and construction and people's needs and all these things. And that's great and everything. But sometimes you got to step back to step forward. And so we had a couple weeks to refocus the lens because it gets, it gets bumped once in a while. And all of a sudden your lens is blurry and you say, God, bring it back into focus. He says, okay, simplify, have a Sabbath once in a while, go do that. And that was great. But one of the things we always do on every journey we take is we practice packing the car. When we started traveling maybe to the Lake of the Ozarks, has anybody ever been to the Lake of the Ozarks? It's the St. Louis Ocean, the Missouri Ocean. If you haven't been, it looks just like the waters of Destin, I mean Galveston. <laughs> but when, when we were younger <clears throat> and we had no babies, I would load the car. And then when we had Chloe, obviously she was too little to put to work yet, so I would still load the car. And there would be, like, flights of steps to, like, to a condo or something. And so, like, and then all the groceries, dear Lord, I forgot. I always forget about the groceries after the luggage. But you get there, and the next hour is you unloading the car and then, and then, then the, the kids go in and they're, they're too little. You know, they can't walk. Maybe you're unloading the kids because they're still in the pumpkin seats too. So, so this gets like really old, but you just say, this is what I do. I was built for this. And so, and so then the kids get a little older and now they can like walk. And so you just try to give them something light. You say, oh, you want to help daddy? Oh, you want to help me load the car? Okay, come on, here you go. You do it. And they, they <laughs> You know, if it was Camilla, it'd still be cute. When it's Taz, I'm like, get to work, son. You know, he's a little older. So, so like, you give him a little more, right? And then each year goes by, and they become a little more efficient and a little more helpful. And now, like, their contribution is actually valuable when you have five kids. And you're like, no, you're doing it all. <laughs> I did it your whole life, and now I'm blessed to have you help dad because you're actually strong. And, yeah, you're getting tough to wrestle, I can't throw you around like I used to. So we got five kids, two boys and three girls, and, and that's it. And that's it, praise the Lord. And so my two boys and my daughter, Chloe, they're strong as an ox. And so every year we elevate how much they're able to assist dad in loading strategically, Rusty. It has to be strategic if you want to fit five in a Yukon 12 hours in a trip with a baby swing. It has to be packed strategically. You can make a lot of space when you do it right. When you just throw it in, it's not going to fill nothing. You're going to say, I need four cars or a U-Haul. Anyway, so every trip, we, we, we elevate um, their ability to help me. I think it's important to watch them but not do everything for them. And so, so, so this last trip, you know, I'm, I'm really big on, like, seeing how much detail they retain. I'll say, okay, I want you to get those bags, and I want you to set them here, and that's it. I don't want you to do anything else. I want just those bags down the steps and set it here. Don't put it in the car. I'm testing them, you see. I'm testing how much they can endure 
and how detailed they are listening to me. And a lot of times, like uh, even when we get home from the trips, now it's time to unload the thing. And I'll ask Colton, praise, praise the Lord, he's my buddy. I'll say, Colton, can you put daddy's vitamins away? Now, you know the shelf where daddy keeps the couple things he tries to make himself healthy, healthy by that he doesn't really eat. Can you put those there? And then can you put the, the, the vitamins and the supplements that make him feel like he's doing something good with his life and healthy and put them there and put them just like dad would do? Let's see how you do. And I go there, and they're just thrown up on the shelf in a pile. It's more like he took the bag and he dumped it on the shelf. But see, as his dad, I know it's important to give him delegation, but I'm not expecting perfection. If I never task him, he can never grow. He can never assist me. And eventually, yes, when you're 15, boys, you're going to be driving the boat. You're going to be packing the car. You're going to be doing everything. I'm going to be sitting back going, I like this. You know? Right now, they don't like helping me clean and stuff. If we got to clean something, we clean it together. When we're on a trip, like everything we do, we give them a little more each time. And now they're, they're so used to it, I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, slow down. You're working too hard, you know. But, but it's kind of funny because um, I never stop giving them work, and, and I want them to do it, but I'm always watching how they do it. And I never leave. I want to make sure they do it correctly. So I'm there to correct them, but I'm not there to do everything for them. And if you expect God to do everything for you, you'll find your journey always feels like it's roadblocked. So that's why we are tested, just like the passage says. It says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. You will persevere under trial and receive a crown, all those who love him. So taking this story back to me and you and how we can apply this, the question is, how do I accomplish a task greater than I can bear. Some of the things we're doing right now feel a little heavy. Has anybody felt that? Like, maybe I shouldn't be the one doing this. Have you asked yourself that every day, every week? Okay, every minute, maybe you shouldn't do it. But seriously, there's going to be moments where you feel like you're working on something that is too much for you to bear. And if I us being mere human and being attacked by the enemy, how do I deflect the darts being thrown at me as it's like a weighted vest stopping me from getting down the path to God's glory I felt him call me to? How do I finish the circuit? Anybody know what a workout circuit is? How do I finish the circuit of trust to fruition of my faithfulness? We are taught to fight for our stance, bank, And God has equipped us with the defense, but it's not necessarily with our fleshly fists. How could my approach to remedy the weight of the attack be actually helping me, helping the enemy's cause? Maybe my approach is helping the enemy further because I'm approaching it wrong. Anybody else have issues in the car with their mouths sometimes? And you go, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have waved high to them like that. Has anybody else ever had that? See, see, sometimes we try to take it into our own hands, but that's not our job as Christians. How do we deflect the darts? How do I finish the circuit? Could my approach to remedy the weight of the attack be actually helping the enemy in his cause? Am I actually stopping myself? You ever heard of chase your tail? You ever heard of the thing, chase your tail? Anybody ever done this? I don't understand why it's not working. 
Woohoo! I can't find it. I can't find it. It's like playing Uno against yourself. You always lose and you always win. And wow, I'm really dizzy right now. Whoa. I feel like the, the ice skater, Christina Yamaguchi or something from the 90s. Was that her? Wow, y'all didn't know I knew ice skating like that. Neither did I. But am I stopping myself from overcoming because I'm missing the power, this is good, of blessing others? Despite my reasoning and my defense of why I should do it back to them, maybe my approach back to them is opposite of what I think it should be. In order for it to be uh, God's way, I have to do it the opposite of what I think is God's way today. Maybe it's the opposite. It's not anything I expect. Can we walk away and win? Oh, that's good. Can we walk away from the thing and win? Can we punch the devil? Everybody say, punch the devil? Come on, you know you like to punch some devil? In the nose by loving our enemy. Oh, I thought he meant really. Can you love those who hate you so much that you punch the devil in the nose? The Bible says he is a finisher of our faith. And that means we must decrease our approach and increase his approach for him to help us finish what we started. You were built to finish what God started. This is good. Look to your neighbor. Look to your chair. Look to your heaven. You were built to finish what God started. I don't like taking tests. I never did good in school. It's easy to start it. It's hard to endure it. You know how many excited people get on Facebook when you tell them you're going to do something new, and then they forget all about it once it's normal. It's because it's exciting and new and fresh, and the car is still clean until you get a couple Cheeto bags in there, fun size, all the time you finally give up and say, this is real life. This is where the value's at is in the process. In the beginning, it's not real. It's a facade. It's an Instagram version. You were built to finish what God started. It's easy to start a really good relationship. Woo, I'm so smitten for them. Until they get on my nerves, I'm like, I'm Audi 5G. Don't ever look at me again. Get off my phone, you clinger. You know? Did I say that? But you know what I'm saying? It's easy to start it. It's hard to commit to it. All you fellas out there online, well, you know, I'm just waiting for the one. It's because you're not really committing to nothing. If it's love, it sees it through. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's, um, does anybody know that person that has a new business every three months and they're the CEO every time? Something's off here. You go to their LinkedIn profile, and every three months, they're the CEO of a new business. Something's off here. Last time I checked, it don't work that easy. If you know something I don't, let's share the news. But, like, but like starting and getting the high off the beginning of the thing is where the joy is. That's the high. But that's not fulfilling in the long term. It's like a drug. You get it for a minute, and then it's gone. That's why, that's why drugs can't sustain us. That's why, that's why uh, certain junk foods can't sustain us. That's why ice cream can't sustain us because it's good going in, but it's yucky for the rest of the way. That's why White Castle can't sustain us because when you're sleepy and tired, it's good going in, but it's nasty the rest of the way. You see, see this stuff is not meant to endure. These are fumes of goodness. 
These are fumes of imitation. God says the real fulfillment comes in knowing you finished. I can say we're going to start a really good thing, church, but until I show you that we finished what we started, the world won't understand it. But God sees it, and God's with you, and God's equipping us to do it. God has given us a little more. He's tasking us with more. In everything you do, God is tasking with your new job, with your new thing. God is tasking you to elevate your journey because you were meant to endure, and God's going to use it if you let him for his purpose. He's going to use it. But you got to take the test. Y'all are going to really hate me right now, but I dropped out on one of my classes over the vacation because I didn't want to mess with it while I was on vacation. I said, I'm done with this. It was before the first day. But just so you know, I've been, in a, I've been in a theology program for two and a half years, and I have five classes left. I've taken 11. And I was so annoyed that I had to bother being smart on a, on a vacation that I paid money for that I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm too good for this. I quit. And that felt good in a minute. But the next day I started thinking, I don't like quitting. This is bothering my pride. Because when I started, I planned on finishing. And yeah, I think the teacher has got a little bit of, like I'm not there to judge the teacher. I'm there to finish what I started. And so, so I regrouped, I re-equipped, and I said, I'll start back when we're back from vacation on the next semester. Thank you. It's just a couple months. But at first, church, I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't even need this. No one knows about it. But I do. God does. That's right, Camilla. That's my child. She's preaching back there. <laughs> oh, she's speaking in tongues. So good. A new birth in a new birth. So what I'm saying to y'all is, there is extreme value. That's why you make your bed when you wake up. That's why you clean your house. There is the value. The value is in the finish. The value is in the list. You know they say make lists because it makes you accomplish something. It's because we are really driven by the finish, not the start. I see these guys running these marathons. And I have, does anybody have the friends on Facebook that post their practice runs that are like across the United States? And they're like, oh, I ran 20 miles today, just warming up. Only took me f- two hours to run 20 miles. That's faster than a Honda. You know, like, like, and I'm going, I could never start a race like that. I won't even start it. Some of us are so scared of trying that we won't even start it so we can quit. We'll never start to begin with. We call that wisdom. But in God's house, God says, if you never start, you can never finish what I gave you to take forward. That's the gospel. That's the, come on, somebody. That's the great commission. This is not for you to watch a show. This is for you to take this word into the world as Jesus gives you more each time you visit him. Each time you visit him, you're elevated with more duties. This time you're going to pack the car, son. This time, you're going to pack it this way because you're going to make a difference this way. This time, you're going to take that plan into the world, son. Yeah, you, the one the world has rejected, you're the one I choose. You're the one I'm going to promote because I can trust you. Take my test, says God. Amen, Camilla. You can't look at your neighbor's paper on this test because their questions are different. You can, you, we, can, we can get good recommendation from people we see. You know, like when you have a baby, you ask, the, you ask the friends who have the baby first, how do you do this? And you go to Google. But at some point, you have to own your journey. 
You have to own it your way because God's, God's going to have you do it different than them. <laughs> My kids are back there laughing at her. <laughs> I like it. Amen. Amen. I can't persevere until I sit down and go through it and indeed do it. You know the people that always talk about the thing, but they're always talking about the thing, and they're always telling you why if this, then this, but when are they going to get up and do something? Have you ever met somebody like that? Well, you know, you, you should do it this way. All your single friends that tell you how to live your marriage right, all your parentless people who know how to parent your child better, you should do this. Like, like, like you step, I step, says the Bible, and so I don't take advice from people who have no experience in it. God says, I, I can persevere, and he says, I can do it, and he says, I can be promoted to things that I don't have any degree for. He says, I can be a stanky fisherman. I can be a fisherman, and I can become the head of the gospel in the New Testament, says, says Matthew, and, and, and James, and John, and Peter, and all the apostles. They are all messed up people like you and me, and God says, they are going to lead the kingdom to here on earth after I go. But did you know what Jesus did? He didn't start them like that. He didn't say, okay, Matthew, you're going to die for me, and you're going to be one of the biggest, uh, you know, commissioners of my gospel. In the beginning, he said, unless you, you know, you, you eat my bread. What's bread? You give him a little bread. And then he says, if you, well, if you eat my flesh, you drink my blood. He got, a little more, he got a little more crazy with them, and because they were ready, now you, too much is given, much is required. Like, there is levels to this. You're, he did, Taz, just beat that bonnet dude in the pot. Has anybody ever seen that game? It's the guy, he's in a pot, and he climbs the cliffs, and his body's in a cauldron. And so Taz just beat, what's it, bonnet, Benny fought it or something? Getting Bennett Foddy. He just beat the Bennett Foddy game, and now he gets the email Bennett. I saw a picture of this guy. He does not look like the guy in the game. The guy in the game was real fit. This guy was a uh, computer programmer, uh, preaching to the choir here. And, uh, and so he got to email the people because he got to do the thing that they said was impossible. He went through the whole game, all the levels. There's levels to this. There's levels to your walk through sanctification. You are not supposed to stay on milk your entire journey and keep telling the world how great the gospel is while you're sipping on that milk. It's good, but get some meat now. Do something with it. Come on, somebody. If you think I'm talking to you, I'm talking to you. If that's what you think, that's God talking to you. He's saying, okay, you've done good. Now it's time to elevate to the next level. Now it's time to help dad a different way. Now you're going you're gonna to help assist us in the process of packing the, the, the car or whatever it is. You're going you're gonna to do it on another level. And there's no age limit to this. If you got air to breathe, God needs you. Yes, God needs his people. Why do you think he made us? If he didn't need us, he didn't have to make us. He wasn't bored and said, well, let me roll some dice. Okay, I'm going to make some humans. No, he needed that love because he is love. And, and, and then you can't feel a love unless you feel it back. And so you can give it all day, but eventually you want to feel it back. And that's why God created us. So love him back. It's real. Look at your child in the face. Walk around with some AirPods when you feel lacking of the spirit and stare at your baby. And, man, you'll start weeping in the presence of God because you're staring at the face of God. You're staring at everything God is in the pureness of that child, in that worship. 
So we were built to finish. Okay, pastor, but how do I do that? Do the opposite of the world. Watch this. Yeah, you can clap for that. That's good. Amen. Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, he says, we work with our hands, and when we are cursed, what do we do? We bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. My dad used to get on my last nerve because he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Except, dad, no. No except, always. But they were so nasty, they deserved my fist in their face for the Lord. No, blessed are the peacemakers, period. You know what that is? That's doing the opposite. You know what that is? That's exactly what Paul just said. When you are persecuted, you will endure it. When you are cursed, bless. I got the sweetest card the other day in the church mailbox. It was this beautiful handwritten note. I am serious, people. And it just said some really ugly things in the nicest cursive handwriting that I haven't seen since second grade because I type everything. And it was just so full of cursing, shaming, ugliness. I want to say, did you know this is a church? Did you know we, we love Jesus and we, we love you? Like, you know how you're talking to And it says, it says, in the name of Christ at the end. Concerned community member in the name of Jesus or something like that. Don't rip off God's name for that trash. That is not gospel. If you really wanted a solution, you'd come love and talk to us. That's hate. That's cursing. But the Bible says, bless it. Do the opposite. So I took it home and I laughed about it. I said, look, Michelle, we got a nice hallmark from the church mailbox. Our first one. It's so good. Thank you, Lord. Because when you endure persecution, the Bible says rejoice. It does. The Bible says rejoice. That means you're stirring the pot. If it wasn't truthful, it wouldn't hurt. If it wasn't truthful, you wouldn't feel nothing. I used to have this debate with a buddy of mine in 2004 working the help desk at A.G. Edwards. He was bothered that I was sitting at my desk in between calls reading the Bible. And, and I knew this guy for like years, in teenage years, into uh, my 20s, into a corporate position. I knew him. And he would sit there, and he'd make fun of me. But I know the Bible. And I said, I like this. I said, that's good. The Bible says you would do that to me. That's good. You don't even know. It was just a matter of weeks. He had his own Bible up there. He was reading his own thing. It's because blessed is the peacemakers. And when you want to change their heart, you got to do the opposite of what they're doing to you. You got to do the opposite. And so, so that's how you win, by walking away. That's how you punch the devil in the nose when you pray for them. You, you do the opposite of what the world says works, and God will do it. And that's how you endure this thing. Because it gets heavy. It gets heavy. You don't think you can do it. They interrupted your vacation. I quit. It gets heavy. I don't need any accolades. I'm done with impressing people. I don't need the school. That's what my first mind said. I said, I only get this limited time with my children. I don't need to write another paper. And then I thought, how stupid are you? This is not about them. Look what the devil just did to you. And I slept on it. When you feel like giving up and you feel like you can't finish what God told you to build, you just sleep on it first. Sleep on it for a day. You think waiting five minutes is hard to respond to that text? Try a day. I dare you. And watch how you respond to that person be different. That's a good trick. 
You get an email you don't like, don't respond immediately. Take a breath. Relax. Go out and play with the kids. Come back and say, God bless you. I love you. Thank you. And this will become normal business to you. And you will see God doing something by doing the opposite. I know what I would do, though, maybe not as bad now that I'm 43, but when I was 33, maybe you guys can relate to this, that we say, okay, God, I'm going to come sit at the table and I'm going to debate you on why my way is still equivalent. Oh, does anybody, has anybody been through that? You, you claiming it and you're calling it and you get up there and you challenge God with it. You say, God, help me do it, help me figure it out, but you don't want to leave the tradition. Tradition is so ingrained in people that if you break tradition, it's offensive to them. All logic can go out the window. You can show them right in the Bible. Hey, I didn't write this. This is the Bible. And they go, but it breaks my tradition. I don't like you. You don't like the Bible. I'm just showing you the Bible. Bob Rome said it best. He said, anytime someone challenges you, you say, the Bible says this. I didn't say it. I never forgot that. Union Station, when it was still a train place, we sat down there after work one day, and he says, when some, this was in my early 20s, when someone challenges you, you say, the Bible says this. And I never forgot that. Because it's not my word. It's God's word. And by you playing it with them, they can hate me all day. But that's going to simmer in their heart because that word is life and life-giving. And I want them to think about that. And before, before they were persecuting you for reading, now they got their own Bible and they're reading with you. Hey, can we do a Bible study? This, kind of, this Jesus thing, I'm starting to, you know, I'm starting to like this. It's because it's real. In a fake world, there's very little authenticity left in this world. I mean, like the, um, the need for uh, this, this generation of young people, their need to be in front of the camera is on another level. I thought I had issues with attention when I was a kid, wanting to be a ham and all that, but now they just live to be uh, a YouTuber or they just live to be recognized on their TikTok. That is everything. They are, they are bred to please the world. That's frightening. And sometimes you need an ocean and nothing else to go, that's scary. That's not the life you want for your kids. Take away those things. Like moderation, but it's at an all-time high. The world is training us up to be people pleasers instead of God chasers, instead of giving God's word to those people who don't know they've lost it because they're so numb. There's so many layers. It's been watered down. Sin used to be a bad thing. Now it's offensive to say it. Years ago, Bishop Jake said, he said, he said uh, you used to be able to say that was at least wrong, and they didn't like you for that. Now you can't even say it's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Everything's good, says the enemy. You keep doing that. God loves you anyway. You do everything. You don't do anything to imitate the Messiah, the God of your, your life, but God will love you anyway. That is a lie of the devil. That is a lie of the devil. We say devil, and we don't mean deviled eggs, though I like them. We mean it. Do the opposite. I feel like a preacher today. What's going on? You feel like the odd one out. Because every day is opposite day when you live for Jesus. You are meant to be the odd one out. In the gas station, in the drive-thru. I don't care if you don't know the scripture. You're meant to be the odd one out. And when someone sees you, you're, they're going to see something different. You don't talk like them. 
You don't act like them. You love them when they're hating on you. You didn't retaliate like them. That bothers them in a good way. That's called conviction. And you're, you're steering them by doing the opposite. If you persecute me, I'm going to bless you with goodness. You were built to finish what God started. I'm going to give you two more passages here to link this all together. We are told to endure, and if we do, we wear the crown of life. And we're told in order to endure, we do the opposite of the world. First James, now Paul, now Peter says, in chapter 2, verse 20 through 22, excuse me, yes, chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. I have a typo on my own notes here. Peter says, but how is it to your credit you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But, everybody say but. If you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for, before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow his steps. We should be following his steps. He says it ain't a thing if you, if you deserved it, but when you don't deserve it and you bless him anyway, there's power in that, he says. And I will commend you for that, he says. You will endure because I endured. You were made in my image. Everything you think you can't handle right now, I feel with you because you were built for this and you were built to finish and I'm here helping you along the way. When we do the opposite of the flesh, we align with God's instruction, which changes the course of eternity, it says. First Samuel, it says this. I'm just going to throw this one at you. It says, the house of your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. It says endure forever. When you endure in this life, you will cause endurance forever in eternity. You are changing your eternity. You're changing your eternity for your children by following in his steps. Do it like Jesus. Laugh at the enemy and bless them anyway. Love them when they hate you. Bless them when they curse you. Endure when you think you can't, because you can. Because just like me with my boys, I'm actually still in the corner of the room watching them. And when they get in real trouble, guess what I'm going to do? Yeah, when Colton has too many bags and he refuses to take more than one trip, I say, Colton, take two trips. Let me help you. Let me help you. Because I love you, I have this talk with them a lot. And I feel like they're going to hate me because I'm so hard. And I have to tell them, I love you. That's why I got to teach you this. You're not going to like it right now, but someday you're going to remember that dad taught you this because I love you. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't do this because I don't, this doesn't feel good to love you like this. But I love you so much that I'm going to suffer myself and stress myself because I see you making mistakes. That's how God sees us. That's how he sees us. You were built to finish what God started. He says, you reflect who I am to the world and nothing else. He says, you are finishing my story. We are, everybody say, we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We are story finishers. We are finishing what God started. He's never left us, but he's tasking us to take it into our own hands and do something with it. By his stripes and by his strength, we can endure.
Amen, somebody. If y'all can stand, I'm going to tell you something funny I read this morning, and then we'll get back to worship. You know, sometimes it takes a dark night at the ocean. You know what my favorite trip, part of the trip was, Vincent? Sitting in the pitch black, with my phone, of course, on the back, pitch black. You just heard the waters. Did anybody see that video? I posted a video. It was just blackness because I wanted them to just hear. You couldn't see nothing. And, and, and it looks bad, but I know the water's there. And every night I will go up there, and I love my kids, but I needed a break from them. I needed a vacation for my kids after a while. <laughs> so I'd go up there, and I'd just sit there, listen. Sometimes you could see the moon. Strip everything back and evaluate my life, my family, our church, everything, because the lens was clear. And I said, God, I got to have you show me this. I got to follow just your feet and no one else is down the sand. I got to follow just your will. I don't want this for myself. I want it because it's your will. I want to do what your will is. And so God, take me back to the place of your will and don't let me ever leave there. And so this, this whole theme of finishing, meaning we have to be opposite in everything we do to the world because the world is flesh and we walk by spirit. When we're filled with the spirit, we become one. This whole opposite day thing popped in my head and I started thinking about the elementary school. Does anybody ever remember opposite day at school? And the kids would like play this game. They go, oh, well, it's opposite day. And so I couldn't quite remember the game, Rusty. So I went to Wikipedia and it had an insert for what opposite day was. And this was really funny. Does anybody remember Calvin and Hobbes? cartoons? Did anybody have the big old color book like me of the cartoons? And you like carry that thing everywhere? And so Calvin and Hobbes was a comic strip like back in the 80s. And um, it was giving an example today of opposite day. (laughs) It says, opposite day at a school game. In a Calvin and Hobbes strip, for example, Calvin asks Hobbes if a bee has landed on him. And Hobbes says, no. And Calvin is then stung by the bee. Hobbes justifies himself by saying, I meant, no, there is a bee. Today is opposite day. <laughs> and I thought that was so good. It's so funny, but it's like really relevant, you know, like, like do the opposite and people will think you're against them, but you're really for them. And you're like, no, see, I really loved you. You thought I restricted because, because I didn't like you, but it's because I love you. You thought when you sent that email challenging the theology of God's church that you thought you were a big, big, big Pharisee, but I know the Bible. And I said, read this scripture and you have nothing left to say. It's because, because by doing the opposite of what you expect without retaliation and blessing you in the process, it's going to simmer on your heart and it's good and that's why we do this church that's why we do this thing we don't get up to have a show we get up to change lives and we want to plant a seed that you can hate me for it but god will bless you for it because it's truth and it's life and that's what i live for and that's what you should live for and that's why we do this thing called one seed church let's pray mighty father we shout it to the heavens we shout this prayer to the heavens because we are so grateful for your love and kindness your love and mercy that never fails but always keeps us supported through our tests that we can endure and you're going to give us the strength to finish what we started because you got big plans for our life you got big plans for our family you got big plans for this church we thank you God we commend you God 
we step into the next chapter. Take us into this week, God, giving praise and honor and loving those who persecute us. And if the house of God can say together, in Jesus' name, everybody say amen.